As I look around, I see uh, many people I've known 10, 15, 20, 25 years. So you know I'm a klutz and a walking disaster, you know. Sometimes a man will slip in to give a message and you, you know, you think, oh, it's Doug Batchelor, but you know I'm a disaster. I'll tell you how the Lord helped me to see that. This was uh, 10, 12 years ago. I was doing a week of prayer here. By the way, somebody complained I talked too fast. I'm going to try to slow down, but I don't know. I was asked to do a week of prayer here uh, 10 years ago, and my wife did not come with me, but she asked me if I would uh, moose my hair down before I went out, because it's like a cotton ball, and I promised her I would. So I got ready for the first meeting, it's Monday night or whatever, had my Bible, I straightened my tie, and uh, I thought, well, I promised my wife I'd moose my hair. By the way, what is moose anyway? Come on, what is moose? It's like a stuff, right? I forgot it. So I started looking around for something I could use for moose. And I saw I had toothpaste. And I thought, that, that's not going to work. It, this was jelly, but it wasn't, it wasn't moose. And then I saw they had lotion there or something. I got to lotion my hair down. And then I found out what I could use. It looked just like gel. It acted like gel. It was shampoo, like a thick shampoo. So I, I got my hair all down. I don't wear moose anymore. I got my hair all down. And then uh, I got my Bible. I thought I need to check my tie. I looked in the mirror, and I had a head full of soap bubbles. <laughs> and the Lord helped me to see I am a what? Somebody say it. starts with an S. Soap bubble. <laughs> now, we all are. God gave me two eyes to see, two ears to hear, and one mouth to report His goodness and grace. And that's what I'd like to do this morning. And as he reminds me, Lou, you are a soap bubble, and without me, John 15, 5, you can do what? Nothing, I'll pray. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge this morning, without you, we can do nothing. Time is short. In the uh, message this morning, time is short on the earth, but your arm is long. So stretch down, please, and bless your people through this soap bubble, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to reason with you on a few things. I think the Lord's given me a thought or two. By God's grace, I hope to be able to share it and keep humanity out of the way. Genesis 2, verse 2. I'm sorry, Genesis 2, verse 1. All it says is he finished his work. The work of creation, he finished. Genesis 2, verse 2. It said he, God, he, he, God rested on the seventh day from his work. What was his work? Chapter 1, what was his work? Yeah, create everything, right? The creation. Is it okay, we don't, say, uh, we don't say carpenters in Iron City, we say builders. The Lord has a lot of names, right? May I use the name builder for God? Because the Bible does. Psalms 127 verse 1. Anybody know it? Thank you, Mark. Except the Lord what? Build the house. Romans, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 10. He looked, Abraham looked for a city whose Builder and maker was who? God. The Bible calls Jesus a builder. May I call him that? He built the world in Genesis chapter 1. True or false? Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, he created. Which part of the Godhead created? All right, I like all. I, well, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God. He slid God down and put in a few words. In the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, uh, John 1, 11, the Word was made flesh. Now, John 1, verse 3, 
all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator. He's the master builder. Genesis 1 verse 1, Jesus with God the Father. Where was the Holy Ghost? Genesis 1 verse 2, where was the Spirit of God? Face of the deep. That's it. <laughs> Amen. They're building us, everything. They're building. They're hard at work. When it says Genesis 2, 2, he rested on the seventh day from his work. I mean, he rolled down his sleeves. But in Genesis 1 verse 1, God rolled up the sleeves and began to what? Build work. Began to build. And so as the Lord begins his work of creation, he rolls up those divine sleeves and he says, Genesis 1 verse 3, let there be. And what? There's light. Mark 4 39, he looked at the wind and he looked at the waves and he said, What? Peace be still. Let there be light. Peace be still. Psalms 19 verse 1, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. The Lord that made the earth is the Lord that made me. He built me. Did he have a purpose? Yes. Does he have a plan? Yes. When I rolled into Wildwood, I don't want to think about it. His purpose and his plan was fulfilling for me. Now, I love that verse, let there be light and there was light. What I'd like to study this morning, Sister Michelle asked me last night if I had a title. Well, I, I kind of I know what I want to say. I want to say, I care and I don't care. I care and I don't care. Or you could say, I don't care and I care. Genesis 1 verse 3, the first commandment in the Bible. The first commandment in the Bible, let there be light and there was light. How can I say that's the first commandment in the Bible? I didn't say it, God said it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 for God who commanded what? The light. That's a commandment. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our... And let me pause one moment. Does God specialize in difficult cases? I mean, no, come on. Does he specialize in difficult cases? That woman in Luke 7, uh, Mark 16, 9, he cast seven devils out of her. Luke 7, he cast seven devils, the alabaster box, washing the feet. Was she a tough case? Come on, how many devils did he cast out? Seven. Was she a tough case? Yes. Could the Lord handle tough cases? Now, was he into pediatrics, geriatrics, neurosurgery, thoracic surgeon? What kind of physician is the Lord? He's a tough physician. Internal medicine, he's a tough physician. He said, there's a lady with seven devils, and he rolled up the sleeves and began to what? Build. And then that lady, John chapter 4, how many husbands does she have? Come on, that Sumerian woman at Jacob's well had to clear the playing field, send the disciples away so he could win a soul. <laughs> so he could win a soul. How many husbands does she have? Five, working on number six. She had a bunch. And he rolled up his sleeve and he said, I specialize in what? Tough cases. Mark chapter 5. How many demons in that old demoniac? We are what? Starts with an L. Legion. And the Lord said, I'm going <laughs> to, I specialize in tough cases. And then he saw you, you seven-day Adventist you. If you're not one, that's okay too. Then he saw you and he rolled up his sleeves and said, what? Topia, Henry, Vaughn, I specialize in what? Tough cases. Sherman Leach, 
I specialize, no sermon, 20-something years. I specialize, there's Sherman Leach. The Lord said, I specialize in tough cases like that man. Aren't you glad? I said last night, Herschel Henley said, Herschel one day, Herschel's not here this morning, is he? He said, quit telling people you were a drunk when you came here. I said, I got a mouth to speak. Yeah. It does not, I don't care, God said, how you walked in. I care how you walk out. Ephesians 1, 6, you're accepted in the beloved. Paul, Acts 28, last two verses, he hired his own house. He opened his doors and said, how many will come in? All. God said, I don't care what you did. I care what you do. Remember, he specializes in what kind of cases? Tough cases. John chapter 8, 10 and 11. This woman is caught red-handed in adultery. Now, I'm going to read you one sentence this morning I wrote down from Desire of Ages. John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. Back to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness is what? Shined in our hearts. Now, to give the light, and it's in His face, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Now, here's a lady. By the way, you've got a cell phone. Turn that beast off. Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple, what? Let all the earth keep, what? Silence before him. Psalms 46.10, be what? Still and know that I'm God. Turn that beast off if you've got a cell phone. You agree? Back in the olden days, you know, Joshua 5.13, I mean 13.14, uh, the Lord comes with his sword drawn. What does Joshua say to him? That's it. Are you with us or against us? Are you for us? Or? And the Lord said, I come to you as who? The captain of the Lord's host. And in the next verse, he said, what? Take your feet off. You're standing on holy ground. Today, we don't take our shoes off. We turn the cell phone off. That is an abomination to bring a cell phone in this church and get text messages Why God tries to send us a text message. You just can't say amen to that. I say amen up for you. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, what? In the face of Jesus Christ. God designs that you see the face of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to study this morning. He designs that you see the Lord's face. Because what's in His face? The light of the, of the glory of God. And dear friends, you've got to understand the glory of God. John 17, 3, this is life eternal. They might know thee, to know Him. Now, the lady caught in adultery, caught red-handed. I had to pull my glasses out. Sorry. Can't read without these things. You know, caught red-handed, right? Caught red-handed. And she went into the temple. They dragged her into the temple. What was their purpose? To snare Jesus, right? Isn't that the purpose? Yeah. Threw her down and said, you know the rest of it. This woman is this, that. Moses said, and the law says, and what do you say? Now, when he said, if you don't have a sin, cast the what? To her, that was what? Death sentence. You read Desire of Ages. It, to her, that was a death sentence. Let me read it to you. Desire of Ages, page 461 and 62. Uh, when, he, when he said his words, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone, had come to her as a death sentence, and she dared not lift up her eyes to look in his face. Of course, verse 10 Woman, where are those thine accusers? Then he said, what? Before he said that, doth no man condemn thee? 
verse 11. Neither do I condemn thee. Then what did he say? Here's my question. You know what she did when he said that? I'm about to read it to you. You know what she did? She did what? Uh, she looked at his face. What'd she see? What'd she see? The glory of God in the face of who? Now I read it to you. In pardoning the woman and encouraging her to live a better life, the character of Jesus shines forth in the character of God that is his glory. She looked up at his face, and what did she see? Uh, I'll tell you what she saw. If it's okay, may I say this? Because God has a face, and so do we. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. You are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ. Written with what? Not ink, but what? The Spirit of God, not on tables of stone, but what? Tables of the heart. You are manifestly declared to be... What's an epistle? It's a letter of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. Known and read by who? All men. We don't see Jesus today. I can't see his face. Why? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. I see through a glass. But then what? Day's coming. But I don't see it now. Face to face. But not today. Face to face. But not today. Today all I can see is you. The woman caught in adultery saw his face, walked out, and her life changed. What Jesus say? I specialize in tough cases. Now, when I met my wife last night, I said, first thing she did was read my palm. She was as crazy as a loon, and so was I. In fact, we were as crazy as you were, <laughs> right? I was as crazy as Dr. Sherman. Before she got changed by the Lord. Nobody's born converted. And once you get changed, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, you got to die how often? Daily. Nobody got changed and went, no. The Lord does something to change our hearts. And then it's a daily operation. The Lord rolls up his sleeves and he said, these are tough cookies. But he's a tough doctor. He's an internal medicine specialist, right? You say amen, Dr. Sherman? But I uh, met my wife, and then she uh, did my astrology thing. Then I found out she was a spiritualist, all into transcendental meditation, out-of-body experiences, and mm, yoga, all kind of things like that. Edgar Cayce and reincarnation, Indian mysticism, and a Buddhist on top of that. I thought, this is the craziest woman I've ever met. I myself have been a criminal, had a big Harley, Redneck drunk and been in jail. And the Lord rolled up those sleeves. <laughs> and he said, what? I specialize. And let's, uh, let's start up the salvage operation to bring Luke Keith into the church. He looked at Glanville Allen and he said, that's a tough cookie there. <laughs> How am I going to get that big guy out of that pit and into the church? I said, <laughs> we started that salvage operation. We had a lady that came to our institution. What time I got to stop? 
Is that the treasurer speaking? Brother Vaughn, I'm sorry, but the treasurer just said go forever. Vaughn said amen, right? <laughs> yeah, when Tapia asked everybody to come to the class, he invited the whole institution to come to the class. Michelle said, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, the Lord, he specializes in tough cases. Now, I'm not going to give the story, but I say God got my wife here. By the way, you know, I delivered the baby. died right in my hand. The water broke. Infection barrier, right? Darlene, she was pregnant. That's why I brought her here. Water broke, guess where? In that hospital. Right there in that hospital. Pants were all wet. What happened? Water broke right here in Wildwood Hospital. Three days later, I delivered a child dead in my hand. Now, by the way, I do not understand the Bible from reading it. I understand the Bible from experiencing it, right? Remember the four schools and education 63? It's the experiences of life. Without the experience, you don't have much but an intellectual knowledge. So I was sitting there, and I was a brand-new Christian. I met the Adventists three days before. didn't know they were Adventists. Brand-new Christian. But that verse is ringing in my ears. The Lord hath given, and the Lord hath taken. Naked I came my mother's womb. Naked I shall return thither. The Lord hath given, and the Lord hath what? Taken away what? Blessed be Job 121, the name of the Lord. I lived it. God's grace was upholding me. And that was, uh, that was tough. But the nurse that helped me deliver the child in Erlanger Hospital, I looked around for her. By the way, she came in, checked Darlene's cervix, had dilated. She said, we're ready to go. And I said, well, okay. She said, it's your desire to deliver the child? I said, well, that had been the plan. Because I'd had a book, a spiritual midwifery. Had a hippie book on how to deliver children. Phoebe Cleveland, her hair would stand up if you saw it. But it was illustrated and everything. And I'd, I'd ride, you know, I had the kit. And I, I knew what to do. I said, yeah, I'm ready. Now, back then, I think, you know, I, I looked like something out of a horror movie. Darlene Harley wore any clothes at all. And there we were in Erlanger Hospital. And the baby's about to be born. Did God send the right person at the right time? Galatians 4, verse 4, in the fullness of time, what? God sent his son. God not only sends his son at the right time, he sends his people. As many as would receive him, he gave what? Power to be, John 1, verse 12, to be what? Sons of God. He sends his sons and his daughters. He sent me one of his daughters. I didn't know the truth. I didn't really know God. I knew, I, I'd been reading the Bible for a month. Didn't know God, but God knew me. I love God, 1 John 4, 19, because he what? First loved me. He sent a woman. So she went and got the uh, little kit, unrolled it. I looked at the tools, just like in the book. I looked at Darlene, not like in the book. In the book, seven months pregnant, no skull, showing the brain is not in that book. But the word was there, and encephalia, genetic defect. So the child came out of my hand, brain exposed, cut the umbilical cord, and I looked around for that nurse. Her name was Jeannie. I looked around, and she was gone. Walked around to Darlene. But my subject this morning is, I care, I don't care. I looked around. I couldn't. Where'd she go? And then I saw her. She was in the corner with her nose up in the corner. And she told me. I knew why she did it. I wanted to give you some quiet time with your wife. And then she came over and took the baby, and she looked at me, and she said, what do I do? I said, what are my options, burial or cremation? I said, cremation. 
You know, I saw pictures, James, baby. You know, I got a lot of friends here having babies. Have you seen those pictures? They wrap the baby up in, uh, in the States, the traditional thing. They wrap the baby up in a white blanket with green and little red stripes. She went back there. The baby was disfigured. You know, it was... Yeah. She wrapped it up in a blanket, took a little Polaroid picture, and then brought it to me, and she gave it to me. And I took it, and when I looked at her, known and read by who? All men. You're manifestly declared to be what? The epistles of Christ. Written by what? The Holy Ghost. Where? On the heart. I looked at her face, and God sent me a letter. It was not the face of Christ, but it was about the same thing. God sent me a letter. I looked at her letter, and her face said what? Two words. I care. First Peter 5, verse 7, casting all your why? Because he what? Cares for you. And that's what I read in her face. Casting all your cares upon him. Because he cares for me. And I thought, how can he care? Now, years later, I was with uh, Pastor Atwood in a camp meeting in Ukraine. There was a Russian physician there. I didn't know she was a physician. I was doing a seminar on mental health. Lady, a Russian lady, I'll never forget her because she had striped socks on. Only one in the whole place, camp, Novio Behodi camp meeting with striped socks on. I thought, she looks unusual. Sat down with Oleg, the translator. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'd like to counsel with you a minute. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm a physician. I'm 31 years old. I'm a physician. I live in Russia. I've had four surgically terminated pregnancies, and I've never been married. And she started weeping and crying, and she said, I have a question. How could God care? <laughs> Talk is cheap. She needs to read something in our face that says what? He cares. God gave us medical ministry work because if a lady with breast cancer can't break your heart, your heart is too hard to be broken. We had a lady came to our program from Andrews, Seventh-day Adventist, in her 40s. She came to our program. She had elected to have the breast surgery. All her hair, the chemo, all her hair had fallen out. She's wearing a wig when I met her. I walked into our little parlor. I saw her sitting on the sofa with her wig, 45, 46, had a breast removed. The chemotherapy had ravaged her. She came to build up her immune system. Now, I looked at that woman, and I thought, doesn't matter what you say, talk's cheap. Jesus did very little talking. Matthew 9, 36, he looked on the masses and was what? Moved. He moved. Didn't talk, he moved. I looked at that lady. Now, let me reason with you. I looked at that lady. That lady had some physical challenges, right? Come on, that lady had some physical challenges. She had some mental challenges, some social challenges, some emotional challenges, some spiritual challenges. Isn't that true? Our health message is the only one that addresses all five. The world cannot address it. And so small, it's such a small part of health, the physical, and the world can address that. But when you move out of something like a broken arm into uh, paranoia, 
schizophrenia, depression, panic attacks, anxiety, learning disabilities. The world's answer is what? Starts with a D, a drug. Zolol, Xanax, Prozac, Wellbutrin, Lithium, Haldol, and all the hundreds of drugs people have come to our institution, they've been taking, and it did not work because they do not have God's plan. We have the plan, but we don't have his face. We're hard-hearted seven-day Adventists, and that's the problem. Why here at Wildwood, we're celebrating 75 years, still on this hell of an earth 75 years later, because we have the plan, but we don't have the heart. And that is our problem. By the way, who was here for Steve Grabner's meeting last night? That thing cut me all to pieces. He cut me all to pieces last night. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Now, raise your hand if you knew Tom Rudnick. Anybody know Tom Rudnick? A few of you guys knew Tom Rudnick. Tom came here. I mean, he was here when I came here. And uh, Tom was at the restaurant. Nice man, nice man, right? Tom and Laurel. And we kind of got to be friends. And we had a common experience once. We just cried. I never cried with a man except that day with Tom. We'd had a common tragedy in our background, cried together and everything. I left out of here after three and a half years going to Southeast Asia to live, sent by Wildwood, a Wildwood trip. Tom uh, tracked me down right here. He's beeping his horn. He stopped me right here at the gate. I figured he would say, hug me and say goodbye. That's not what he said. He said, Lou, I expected an embrace and a hug, and that's not what he said, Lou. Yeah, hi, Tom. He said, I want to share something with you. And he looked very serious. I said, go ahead. He said, you know, we face a great danger here at Wildwood. Yes, Tom. The great danger is because we do so many things right, we begin to think we're righteous. I did not know what he meant when he said that. Now I do. Isn't there a danger in that? Because you do so many things right. You're a vegan, so is the devil. You wear a dress, so does the devil. You know, whatever you do, the devil does it better. It says that James 2.19, the devil believes and he trembles. The devil is a great reformer, but he has no revival. He's got the outside, but no what? Heart. No heart? That's it, no heart. God brought me into this place. To break my heart and it has taken 20 something years of working with sick people and dying people you say dying, dying spiritually to wake me up and my heart is still like a rock but he's doing something about that now I said last night Joe asked me if I'd finish that story on uh, the Chinese lady it actually fits in I was asked to go to a conference health center in northern China in the winter, in January. Cold. Cold place. And uh, I was told by the leadership there, in that public lecture room, you can't say anything about God or the Bible. That's fine. You can talk about health. So that was the subject matter. They had a policeman come sit on the back row. And you had to register... China has got some Adventists, right? Well, there's a whole lot of communism still in China. So talk about health. But in the rooms, you could talk about God and things. And they work with a lot of very sick people. 
when the program was over and I was going home the next day, the people, the families of the guests came to pick up their family, to pick up the patients. I was doing a lecture, the last health lecture, and a girl walked in, look, 20, 21, 22. She sat in the back row and I gave the lecture and after the lecture, she went to the youth pastor who was translating. She asked him if she could practice her English on me. He asked me, I said, well, yeah, why not? And this is when she came up to me and she said, no, I said to her, what is your name? And she had this Chinese name. And then she said to me, what is your name? Lou. Of course, it's hard for people in China to say Lou, they say Wu. So she said, Lou. And then I said, where are you from? Beijing, where are you from? Iron City. And it went on like that for two or three minutes. And I said, if you want to practice your English, I get to choose a subject. And she said, okay. And I said, God. And then she said, what is God? And I said, I think the Lord helped me. I think the Lord helped me. Because I said, do you work or you go to school? I go to school. Where? The university. Why? So I can make money? Why? To buy a car, to get an apartment, to buy clothes, to get a good job, and all of her reasons. And I said, this is what God is. You have all of these desires in your heart, and God has one in his, and it's you. Certainly God has an interest in your career, your home, certainly an interest but of primary importance is not those things, but it's you. She does not hear that in the university in Beijing, does she? Doesn't hear it. And she said, tell me more. So we talked for a while. And then uh, at the end, I said goodbye. I said, before we go, I said, do you want to pray? She said, What's pray? What is that? I says, talking to God. And a guy, the translator, when I said, we'll pray, we'll just talk to God. By the way, if you don't know God when you pray, you sound like a formalist, a hypocrite, and a bigot. You know that, right? If the prayer, Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the, the mouth speaks. And if the heart the mouth is not an index to the heart, then you're worse than Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton because they're trying to win your vote, but not your heart. So they use a political speech that reaches your head, but not your heart. So she said, what is praying? And I said, speaking from your heart, heart to God's heart. And she was willing to try. <laughs> so the guy next to me, he's a 20, 21-year-old, the uh, youth pastor, nice young man, I've been with him the whole time. Before I said, we're going to pray. So he did this with his hands. You know what she did? Same thing. I said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I said, you can do that. I mean, you can do this. But it's an abomination to God if you get on your knees to pray and your heart's not surrendered. Do you agree? Because it's all a formal experience. It's all an abomination to God if it's not coming from the inside going out. I said, you could do that. That's fine. But it needs to be from here. And so we'll try. And so I prayed and she left. I don't know where she is today. 
But what drew her to us was the health message. It wasn't just English. It's what we're saying. It's not just the language. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. It tells you it's not the language. Though I speak with the tongues of angels and of men and have not what? Charity, love, agape. I become a what? Sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love never what? Fails. That's why God doesn't fail. 1 John 4, verse 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is what? Love. 1 John 4, 16, God is what? Love. And love never what? Fails. God never fails. And God never changes. That Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I what? Change not. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's saying, come on, church, why don't you change? And be like who? Me. Now, does God specialize in hard cases? Come on, does he? Does he, Alex? Yes. That's a tough case. That's our industrial manager right there. Raise your hand, Alex. You want to raise your hand? I'll come down here and I love that man like a son. He's changed my life. Yeah, he's got a face. Alex Schwer, I can't say his last name, but I love him. God specializes Connie, are you a hard case? Yes, you are. God specializes in hard cases. Now the hard part. That's the easy part. Now the hard part. John 13, verse 15. I've given you an example that you should what? Do as I have. That's it. That's it. Now come on, that's it. You should do as I have done. And then he says, John 13, verse 17. Happy are ye if you do it. Well, what did he do? John 13, verse 4, took a towel and what? Girded himself. Now, I want to finish. I didn't get to finish my report, but I got five minutes to cut out for myself right now. There is a stigma placed on those with certain habits. And with other habits, they're not stigmatized at all. Another way to say it is, you're a leper if you do this. But if you do this, in society, when, uh, and I'm going to name some names, not going to any details, but when Bill Clinton had a meltdown, his wife's running for president. When Arnold Schwarzenegger had a spiritual meltdown, he's still in the movies. When Tiger Woods had a meltdown, they still wanted him to come back and play golf. These men had spiritual meltdowns, and nobody cared, because their mind was on one thing, what? Money. But when you smoke a crack rock, everybody thinks you are less than nothing. Or you got a drinking problem, and friends, all levels of the GC and the leadership, and I have worked with people, rich and poor, from all levels. And if you think drugs are not a problem, alcohol in this church, your head is buried in the sand deeper than an ostrich. It is, a, is it a growing problem? Yes. I mean inside the church. And God said, I got an answer for that problem. But if you look down your, I, I, I'm a white man, right? Black, red, white, green. We got all kind of folks in here. If I look down my long white nose at somebody because they're in the gutter, because they're a drunkard and they're a, and they're a dope dealer or whatever, does that kill the gospel in its tracks? Yeah, that's our problem. We stigmatize people. Yeah, if you got this kind of problem, we can help you. But that kind of problem, no help. 
So people with those kind of issues go to secular facilities and they get no help because they need mental, spiritual, emotional, and social health, and the world does not have it, but we do. But don't come here. Now, a lady came to our facility. I did not share this last night. A lady came to our facility, alcohol issues. In other words, she was a royal first-class drunk. She came through a program. Whew, what an experience. What an experience. Went home, got drunk. Guess what she did? Came back. Went through our program. Oh, what an experience. Wow. Went home. Guess what she did? Got drunk. Came to our program. Went through two programs. Went home. Guess what she did? Got drunk. <laughs> then she came back and stayed, what was it, darling? Three months? Three months. Worked with us. Oh, what an experience. Went home. Guess what she did? Got drunk. And the people around her said what? Hopeless. Hopeless. They identified themselves as pagans when they said hopeless. Because if you know the Lord, you never use the word hopeless. And then she came back. I have her permission to share the story. She's living with a man. Wasn't married. Came back. Like the woman of Matthew 9, 22, thy faith has made thee touch the hem of that garment. Twelve years she sought help from the physicians and got none. But the Lord changed her. Virtue went out of him, the touch of faith. She came back. She went through a program. And then uh, six months went home. Got married, got baptized, and today she's a solid seven-day Adventist. And Jesus says, and she and her husband are close friends of our ministry. And the Lord said, I specialize in what? Because I'm Jude 24, he that is able to keep you from falling. You may, Proverbs 24, 16, fall seven times, but I'll help you to rise up again and then present you what? Faultless. Talk is cheap. But what the Lord does costs an infinite price. I mean, nobody could believe this time she got it and kept it. Well, sometimes it takes a, t- takes a while. Rome was not built in a day, and neither was Luke Keith. Isn't that a nice story? And that's true. Now, uh, in closing, I've got a thought or two to share, and then I've got four minutes left. I see the clock winding down. Try to be punctual. I'd like to say something to the teachers. In a class at Wildwood, 25, 30 students sometimes, you always have a sister sunshine, right? Always a sweet student, always smiling, easy to love them. Isn't that true? She was one, right? She was one. But you always have a sour puss, right? You always have some bitter somebody in the class that is a cloud rather than sunshine. Would you agree? I was one. Now, come on. Which one gives the most attention and the most love? The one that needs the most gets the least. God's challenge. You say, give me a challenge. The challenge is to love the unlovable. It's no challenge to love Justin. Justin's my doctor. Dr. Sherman's my doctor. No challenge to love those two. You got somebody in your life that is a challenge? 
Ah, that's the test. Can you love the unlovable? Elder Boykin started out unlovable, didn't he? He's sweet now, but you didn't start out that way, did you, Elder Boykin? And Nellie didn't either. Nellie's easy to love now. But if somebody had not loved her when she was sour, today she would not be what? Sweet. You know, uh, this thing with reading the face, I learned that before I became a seven-day Adventist. I've been a criminal. My wife got pregnant. I went straight. It's kind of honest. And uh, our life changed. We started reading the Bible together. And I got a job, a real honest job, as a reporter. I had the worst day of my life, stress times 10. I came home that night, and Darlene and I would pray together. We were brand new at it. Didn't hardly know what praying was, but we tried it. We're laying on the bed together. And Darlene said, how was your day? I was, uh, I was 34 years old, and she was 36. How was your day? I said, Darlene. <laughs> she said, how was your day? Then she held me, and she said something to me I never forgot. One word starts with a Q. Quit. And I said, you're pregnant. We're broke. And she said, one word started with a Q. Quit. And then she said, I looked at her face, and I saw a letter from God that said, I care. And then the words out of her mouth, I care more about you than I care about money. And that's the kind of woman I married. The kind she is today. After God changed her. Now, not one of those stampede things. There may be one, two people in the, in the room this would apply to this morning. But by the way, if you look down your nose at somebody, you got a Ph.D. and they don't, you feel smarter, you're prejudiced, and you're a bigot, right? We don't got the black, white, red, green issue here. We got the other kind. I'm richer. I got more education. I'm this, I'm that, and you're not, so I'm better. That's the worst kind of bigotry. That kills the gospel in its tracks. And the other side of the coin is, if you look up to people and you're a man worshiper because of position and place and the other, that's just as bad. And there are a whole lot of people that worship men instead of God. God wants to cut us all down and bring us to his feet. And there you'll find no respecter of what? Persons. So if you see you got some bigotry in your heart and you want to unload it in the chapel this morning, that means the challenge for Justin is when he treats somebody that hadn't shaved in five days or taken a bath in ten, stinks and they're on some kind of crazy drugs and whatever, the response is just the same as if you were treating Jesus Christ. Matthew 25, verse 40, What you do unto one of the least of these, my brethren, what? You've done it unto me. If you're a teacher and you're not willing to die for your students, you're no teacher at all. If all you do is share information, but the salvation of the souls of your students means nothing to you, you ought to be out of the classroom and lead people to hell because that's where you're going. God is serious, and he said, Seventh-day Adventist, I mean business. Get serious. But we can't change ourselves, unfortunately. So if you see some bigotry in your heart or some prejudice, 
This is the place to unload it. This is the place, and now is the time. And the Lord says from the kingdom of God this morning, I specialize in tough cases. So you come forward as we sing this last verse. Boy, I love this. This last verse is so good. <laughs> our, Father, our Father in heaven, our great physician in heaven, we're glad you're a cardiologist this morning. Yeah, pediatrics, geriatrics, we've got all kinds here this morning, but we're glad you are the supreme and universal cardiologist. Something needs changed in your people. When I say you, I include myself. First and foremost, I include myself. Something needs changed this morning in this chapel. I believe we are at the crossroads of the world regarding light and the health message. We even have a place, a thing called light here. But do we have the face? Talk is cheap. Do we have the face? It's my prayer this morning that you would cleanse our hearts from all unrighteousness. Those that have come forward, you know, when we see the ladies cleaning the bathrooms and we look down and think, I'm glad I don't have that job. <sighs> Pull that kind of garbage out of our hearts. Give us an appreciation for Jesus. John 13, 4, he took a towel and girded himself. What a wake-up call that was for the disciples we are the same. We need the same wake-up call. Give it to us this morning. The high and the lowly, the rich and the poor, the old and the young, the naked and the clothed, everybody needs a Savior this morning. And until we have it in our hearts, how will we ever have it on our face? This is my prayer. Bear your truths in our hearts that nothing can ever dig it up again. And may we have that experience of Wesley. And can it be that Luke Heath could come to this place Hating God as far from God as a man could be and get turned around. Have mercy. I ask all these things from my heart straight to the heart of the creator and the builder of this planet and the people on it. And may God's all people unite as we say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.